So the autos are starting to lay people off, which isn't really a surprise. But as we are now in day six of these UAW strikes with the big three, we are anticipating more plants, more targeted facilities to also be struck uh, by, what, noon Friday is the announcement, according to Sean Fain. Gene Wayland is the global business reporter for the Washington Post and joins us. Gene, good to have you. Hello. I, I, I think, you know, obviously here in Detroit, we, we worry about all the UAW workers that are here and the economic impact of it here locally. But when you start kind of looking down the line, these targeted strikes can be really effective because it does, as the automakers put it, uh, really disrupt the interconnectivity of all of their their facilities down the line. Um, what do you anticipate kind of the fallout of these targeted strikes being from, from both perspectives? Well, it, for the, you know, it all depends, I guess, how long it, it lasts, right? For the workers... If it dragged on a very long time, uh, most of them are taking a significant pay cut to do this. And so if it dragged on a long time, they could have trouble paying bills and things like that. And they are getting $500 a week out of the union strike fund. And so I guess the gamble for them is, you know, they want to be sure that whatever agreement they get out of this is worth those sacrifices they will be making to their normal wages. Uh, And for the companies, obviously, you know, the longer it goes on, the fewer cars they produce, cars and trucks and vans and everything else, the more market share they could potentially lose to rivals, uh, the slower they will be to ramp up their production of electric vehicles. They're still trying to ramp that up so that they can make those profitably so far they're, they're making a loss on all of their EVs. Um, So it's, you know, a lot of that stake for everyone, a lot of that stake for the economy. If it drags on a long time, it means people in these communities will be going out less, spending less. So, um, yeah, there's a lot at stake for everyone. From an economics perspective, not even just nationally, but but on a global on a global scale, what type of impact is this going to have for these automakers that are providing vehicles to 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 countries all across the world if this if this production stops if it comes to a halt if they're not able to pump out the vehicles that they were i mean we've already seen a surge in in vehicle prices over the last decade and i i think it would be reasonable to assume that the companies uh are going to inevitably pass this this on to the consumer what does that do from from the the economic view from the from the uh, kind of a, a much bigger scale around the world well it's not actually a given that car prices will go up more because of this right I, I, that again depends on how long it lasts if it if it lasts a few weeks probably not if it lasts more than that then we can probably expect to see some price increases on the vehicles that are not being produced, um, particularly the ones that are already very popular in, and in a bit of a short supply even before this break started. So things like uh, General Motors' uh, Yukon and Tahoe SUVs, you can see prices creep up on those. 
the, the thing is, though, a lot of the car market out there is made by non-unionized workers in the U.S. All of the Toyotas and Hondas and Teslas and Nissans and Volkswagens are all made by people who are not striking. So the supply of those cars is not going to change. And we've already had, a, as you noted, a huge run-up in car prices already for various reasons before the strike began. And so automakers don't really have a lot more room to raise prices more because consumers are already saying we can't afford these vehicles. So that's a long way of saying I don't expect to see a very broad spike in car prices out of this unless, I don't know, it drags on for six months or something, and then, and then it's harder to predict. You know, a, a number of years ago, the UAW – had a 40 day strike on General Motors. Um, it, it, you know, Sean Fain has been very bullish on on these priorities. And when you have a 97 percent uh, 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 vote from the rank and file to to issue the strike if it was necessary. I mean, th- that's your entire union that are backing this. And so I, I think it gave Sean Fain kind of carte blanche to, to do as he sees fit to get as many of these priorities agreed to by the automakers as possible. Where, where do you see the concessions? Because I, I don't believe that the big three are going to pay a 40-hour employee for 32 hours of work. Or I, I don't think you're going to get a 46% pay increase. Maybe you address tiers. COLA could come back. All of those things, pensions issues, all, all of that. I could see their concessions made, but but where where are the the the, the kind of the hard line nose in your mind from the automakers' perspective that they're just not going to budge on? Yeah, I mean we know that a four day work week is a definite no. We know that the return of defined benefit pensions um, is also a hard no from the automakers. Or at least they've said so, right? Um, those are those are the two that I've heard that they are not even willing to entertain. They've given ground on on several of the other issues, and I think maybe there's a bit more wiggle room on wages and cost of living protections. Is my sense? Um, perhaps a little more wiggle room on collapsing some of the wage tiers, the different pay scales that different workers are on. That seems like probably the areas that will be most fruitful for any more compromise. But, um, you know, the automaker perspective, I suppose, is we've already given quite a lot in these proposals and we don't have room for a lot more. And the UAW is saying this isn't enough. So it's in some ways they remain far apart. But we'll see. What, what's your, your reading on how long this thing could go out? I really don't know. I yeah. wish I could say, but, you know, there are some guesses that will be over by Halloween, maybe even before then. It's extremely hard for me to say. I don't want to get into predicting. Well, I, and I, I, I'm i with you. I, 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 That was also my deadline. If they could get this done before Halloween, and I've had a couple people look at me cross-eyed, but, I mean, again, when you've got the rank and file behind this, when you've got people supporting this, and, and again, I think when you go back to, to the recession, and they made serious concessions, the UAW did, to, to help out these automakers to ensure that they had uh, you know, paying jobs in the future, and, and they did make concessions, and they're being paid at the same rate as they were a decade ago. I, I understand some of the, the arguments that they're making, but I'm with you. I, my hope is that they get this done in the next, you know, in the next month. Uh, I think that would make a, a lot of sense. Do you anticipate that the union's in it for the long haul just by the way that they've structured these strikes? It would be certainly, um, you know, put out 
quite a stern position on this. They say they're in it for the long haul. They say they will ratchet up tension over time. They do have a finite amount of money in their strike fund, which, you know, would last at the longest if everyone went on strike, all UAW workers, about three months. So I suppose with the existing strike fund, three months is probably about the max that they can keep going. But they're not even close to having everyone on strike yet, so... What's your perspective on Sean Fain? Because, you know, he is he has broken a lot of the, uh, you know, uh, the, the rules of these negotiations in the past. And, and the UAW has had a, a huge problem with transparency. And Sean Fain holds several, you know, Facebook live updates for the rank and file. And, and there is a I think there is a, a sense of more transparency on top of the UAW. But his rhetoric has been pretty inflammatory. And, and I just wonder from your seat, do you think that has impacted these negotiations or will impact them as they go forward? You know, I think the main change with him is, yes, he's asking for a lot. He's asking for it in very blunt and confrontational terms and very publicly. You know, it's it's possible that UAW leaders have been this confrontational behind closed doors before. I, I just don't know. Um, my sense is probably, probably they haven't been quite this confrontational, you know, saying himself accuses past leadership of being too complacent and too cozy with industry. But the main difference with Fain is he's saying this all very publicly. He's saying it on Facebook Live. He's letting the world know what he's asking for. He's letting his members know every other day on a live stream how negotiations are going. He's holding rallies. He just joined Twitter yesterday to start tweeting. So he's a, he's a much more public face of these talks. And, and yes, a, a fairly... Uh, confrontational one yeah uh gene whalen thank you so much appreciate your insight in this and um and we we'll hope to talk to you down the road thanks very much yeah you got it. have a good one 800-859-0957 800-859-0wjr I, I i think it's important that we give you this kind of other perspective right here locally in in our nutshell it's easy for us to talk about the uaw and the impact of it locally but from a national perspective, you just had I, I, the idea that this thing could go weeks and weeks and weeks is is troublesome. And does the UAW, does the rank and file, do they have the ability, the financial ability to to continue to push down this road? 800-859-0957. Get to more of your calls. Text coming up next.